Ciao amigos, estoy aquí, um, Puerto Viejo, Costa Rica. Today is our last day. Ian and I are actually going to be taking the bus at 4 p.m. to San Jose, and then on Friday we fly out to Colombia. So excited to um, document this last day in Puerto Viejo and, um, and really sign off and send off uh, in a powerful way, which is to post a massive milestone in the podcasting space, which is 50 episodes of the Circle Up podcast. Um, you know, along this journey, I've been writing a book. Along this journey, I've been doing another podcast with Ian. We've done over 15 episodes of the Till the End podcast. So a lot of projects on the go, but my site is really set on making sure that this show is world-class, making sure that we bring strong communicators with powerful messages, powerful philosophies on the way to uh, live your life, on the way that they look at the world. I give everyone here the opportunity to tune into my favorite philosopher of all time. Uh, we spent over an hour and 40 minutes together last week, celebrated this episode 50 in uh, the best way that I know how, which is uh, with my best friend in the whole world, uh, my favorite philosopher in the whole world, Ian Gabriel. So y'all are in for a treat. I am not going to take away from what he delivers, whether you're driving, you're doing your dishes or you're exercising, um, Ian's unique philosophy on how to live your life with joy and with play um, and by slowing down, I think is exactly what we need in this time and place in the world, in this time and place in consciousness. And so please enjoy this milestone episode 50 of the Circle of Podcast with none other than GG, Grandma Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, Chad Lennon, Channon Tori, uh, The Shepherd. On and on and on. Um, best guy I know in the world. My best friend in the whole world. My travel companion, business partner. Uh, this show is one to be remembered. And I hope you enjoy it. Hope you implement his ideas. And I hope, at the least, it makes you think that when times are tough and when you're struggling and you're thinking about taking on those burdens of life alone, that instead of manning up, you circle up. Welcome to the Circle Up Podcast. This is episode 50. Let's go big. Cheers. Half century. That's huge. Yep. Congratulations. That's not a joke. Appreciate it. That's not a joke. The amount of fucking, there's like 18 million podcasts started a day and like minus four to get to 50 episodes. You know? so. um, as a check-in, yeah, for, for those that don't know you, but everybody that listens to the show knows you. Uh, you and I have been traveling and backpacking for the last four months, five months almost yes, now. Five months now. Five months now. And so just like, yeah, where are you checking in on? And then, um, you know, quick check-in question is, what has been one of your most exciting experiences since we started backpacking, since we left 2179, Dundas West? Yeah. So a lot. First off, I'd say I'm checking in. I'll get, I mean, I, I was going to say like a nine five, but there's always, always room for improvement. Fuck, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. We're going with a 10, baby. Solid, solid 10. I would say one of the top experiences um, relates to something that would probably be interesting to talk on this podcast. And I think kind of the direction that you're going to be able to go to with the brand and the platform you're going to create is when we had our, one of our awakening experiences on uh, New Year's. And, Tulum. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did some psychedelics and we watched the sunrise 
on the first day of the new year after such a crazy year. And it was, uh, as I said, we're on psychedelics and it really was, I mean, for us, it was, everything became kind of clear that the, there isn't like good without the bad, like we could really see the duality between you wouldn't understand, like for example, something that everyone will have to go through is the, the, the death and dissolution of themselves, but everyone they love. Sure, and then, people that are closest to them. Yeah, exactly. And we were really talking about the fact that, you know, when you, if you think about how, um, I mean, like you're going to experience horrible loss and death in your life, and, but the, the love that that contrasts is what makes the, the, the juice of that love worth the squeeze of the pain of the human condition. Yeah. Yeah, Tulum was, Tulum was mind-blowing. Yeah. Because it was like, the first experience that I had in Tulum was uh, not what I expected it to be. And then shame on me for having expectations yeah. of what the experience should have been. But when we went there the second time, it was like we were there for all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and all the stars aligned and felt the place. The, the stars were more than aligned. <laughs> the stars were dancing. They were, that was full of color. Uh, yeah, I just, I just so clearly remember just being able to completely let go after maybe like an hour of being uh, on the mushrooms on the beach there with those, with those friends. And uh, remember standing up and listening to some music. You, you get what you give. Oh, yeah. New Radicals. New Radicals. Banger. And just like total shenanigans, like complete letting go yeah. of. Um, it's the way that almost Alan Watts describes love, which is just like a total abandonment. Yeah. I mean, just like completely so playful. Like we yeah. were just like laughing. So we were just like dancing like little kids on like who just ate three packs of Skittles. Just <laughs> <laughs> jazzed. Just fired up. Or as yeah. we are in Mexico, as the 10-year-olds in Mexico drinking a two-liter Coke. Yeah, two liters of Coke. <laughs> and then the 30 minutes afterwards before the crash. Yeah. That was what it felt like. Um, yeah. One of the reasons why I'm so glad that we're doing this trip brings me back to a shared mentor of both of ours. I know that he's made a big impact. Yeah. Um, and even recently, and you mentioned, yeah. you, sorry, even recently, you mentioned that he's made uh, more of an impact than you had given him credit for, mm. which is Jim Rowan. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I'm so excited for, for doing this trip, which aligns with a lot of our philosophy is um, having a wide range of human emotions mm. because we've experienced so much that it would, it's easy from the outside to say, well, everything that you're experiencing must be sunshine and rainbows. Everything must just be positive emotion after yeah. positive emotion after positive experience. And, you know, getting laid off from work, traveling across the country, yep. uh, British Columbia, all the way to British Columbia from Toronto, so and then all the way back that BC road trip 2020, to then leaving for Mexico. And I, and I wrote a list of all these things that we've done, yeah. which is like road trip across Canada, leave our two, leave 2179 down that street west in Toronto, yeah. fly to Mexico, like all the lifetimes that happened in Mexico. And from Playa del Carmen, your birthday, yeah. all you can eat steak, Christmas yeah. time away from our families, yeah. to then going to Tulum, skipping in winter. Like first time, uh, you know, snowbirds getting out of there and then going to Costa Rica and everything that Costa Rica has been in again, like just like, yeah, even Santa nice. Teresa alone, just the five weeks of being in Santa Teresa is going to be just like shaping my yeah. whole life just yeah. from that one experience. Yeah. And, but not all of it was positive in the emotional, sure. immediate emotional experience. Those are the experiences that I tend to learn the most from. Yeah. So I was wondering for you, um, you know, maybe you could take whatever path you want with this, but the word gravitas comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. But I was just wondering for you, kind of, what's your take on having a wide range of human experiences, having a wide range of human emotions? I know you keep saying, like, 
I don't want to live the same day over and over yeah. again. I want to, I want to have tip of the spear experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about um, how that's come to you from being part of this trip and those unique experiences we've had together? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, Alan Watts talks about how, you know, people want to increase their pleasure in their life, but they don't realize that that comes along with increasing their pain. And it's kind of, I've really been having like a lot of like mystical type epiphanies in terms of like, wait, that's just like one phrasing or like magnification way, way of explaining it. But I remember like years ago, knowing, saying, you know, we got into really big into personal development and Jim Rohn and these kind of things. And then I was like, you know, we let's go, let's be a speaker and let's do that like right now. And obviously we've developed our skills as a speaker, but now I'm like, man, I don't know shit. I want to go live like a really fucking cool life and do that. And then I remember doing a lot of journaling around like a couple of years ago around, like, I want to live a full human life with like the depths of all the complexities, which means that, um, that you don't shy away from all the, the negativity and the pain and you can actually go deep in there. And that's what gives the contrast for all the pleasure as well. Cause it's something we've talked about when a lot of people can get disillusioned around travel, especially when they see their friends that are just posting like the highlight reels mm-hmm. and we watch the, 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 the montage videos, people jumping out of planes with EDM music and, and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then really it's like, Oh fuck, where, I'm, where am I going to be laundry? <laughs> and it's like all these very like trivial admin type things that uh, is behind the curtain as part of the regular day of the, the traveler, as opposed to, just like the partying montage that people see. And I think I've just always enjoyed getting my, I've always kind of found myself in weird situations. And to your point around, it always hasn't been fun emotionally in the, in the current experience. And there was one particular time that I won't get into like the details, but I got into this like really weird situation and I was in Playa del Carmen involving, like uh, I was like uh, talking to this girl at the time, but then her roommates were like these, like, I guess I am getting into the details. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, just, be, just leave the names out. out. Yeah, leave the names out. But it was just, it was like these uh, like nudist type couple that Whoa. were like, the people were coming in and they're trying to like take their clothes off and nice. all like this. And then I was just it's like, and I honestly like, it wasn't enjoyable. Like, I didn't like the, the vibe at all. But then I was like literally going to leave. And then I was like, ah, I'm a writer. So I'm going to write or sure. speak on stuff. So I should probably stick around and, take in what a weird situation this is so yeah. I'm discuss it later on your podcast. Yeah, build some context as yeah. to why this is so unique and not yeah. every run of your mill. Yeah. The experience. And that's the thing about the tip of the spear. It's like you could go into like a very self-indulgent pleasure seeking mode, which is not part of it. But it's vanity. It's yeah, vanity. vanity. <laughs> but it's like, I think so many people, like we get so sidetracked by like predictable pleasure or resistance of pain that we don't want to like get into a situation that is unprecedented. And I don't, I don't like, I don't know what it is. I mean, the, your previous, before you rebranded the circle up being grit podcast, yeah. which basically is, you don't choose what you're interested in really as much as they just grips you. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I just, I like being in weird, I like novel situations. There's cool. something about it that I find um, very stimulating. And then I think what I see circling it back, circle up and back to the gravitas is the, the the mentor who told us about gravitas actually we're in the town that we were supposed to wow. meet him Breck, but Puerto Viejo. Puerto Viejo, Costa Rica, but he went back home. Yeah, we um, miss you, man. Miss you, Breck. Thanks for planting the seed for us coming back here. 
planted it. It felt and right in our hearts. It did. Back it did. It made sense. We were going to go to Ecuador, and we are like, no, we should go to Port Vale and, and live the experience that we maybe could have had if Freck was here, but have it within the U.S. Yeah. So we're doing it with the spirit. spirit. And, I mean, the, like with the Gravitas, whose definition was basically having had an amount of lived experience where you can basically relate and talk easily with lots of people and like kind of have them be like interested in what you have to say. And I think you get that, you don't just get that from nothing. You get that because you've lived through certain, you've had certain experiences and then you process them. Mm-hmm. So I find when I feel like I've been in the wackiest scenarios and like it, it kind of gives you, I don't know, ability to, to be calm or create order out of chaos or just all those kind of things where it's like in normal conversations, et cetera. I just have funny anecdotes and stories to yeah. tell and seeing different parts of things, which when you see a certain truth about humanity you're in because of this weird niche scenario where it wouldn't usually be revealed like that you can now pick up on it and you can relate and understand a broader sense of people because the big thing that you talk about is people wearing masks so um in, in certain niche situations you can perhaps see people with their guard down a bit more and you can learn a lot yeah i want to pick up on that idea you mentioned a situation by Adel carmen where you were uh, seeing this girl um, one of the conversations we've had throughout this trip is a place where potentially negative emotion could come up is the, is the around the process of letting go mm-hmm. of relationships. And cause a lot of this is so transient, yeah, you meet, you meet somebody, you meet a new friend group, maybe uh, you had an intimate connection with them and you related really quickly and it became deep fast and, and well, we're, we're leaving in yeah. seven days. And so what are we going to do about that? And so there's a constant, like you said, um, we've had this conversation about finding order in chaos, yeah. but I want to relate this back to, you know, being open to experiencing potentially negative emotions in the present moment, knowing that it's, it's for the best long term. Like sure. One of the things I've seen you grow really deeply in is where you said, Hey man, you know, like, I don't like this concept of building groups with uh, a woman as an example, but could easily be a friend. And then, you know, a week later, never, you know, not seeing her again, yeah. but I've seen you open up to the possibility of if they're special mm-hmm. and if we vibe and if we connect, just be open to possibility of what could happen. Cause you're going to have to say, you're going to have to you know, let yeah. go anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, um, I made kind of the decision. I realized that I was like, because thing, everything's so transient and stuff, you can kind of have an element of being walled off where I just decided that along with uh, like if you want to increase your pleasure you won't got to increase your pain and then in the same way you know you feel grief when someone passes away it's not necessarily a bad thing it's like an express can be an expression of love or gratitude and thankfulness so just enjoying like just being present and giving yourself fully to the moment and then just surrendering to what that is so if you you meet a good group of friends and you're like holy shit we'd be friends with them forever well, you're not going to not enjoy the time because you might not spend next week together, but, you know? So it's just like, yeah, it reminds me of that conversation we had in, in uh, Pilo Carmen up on 3B's rooftop yeah. and you're hanging out with a uh, buddy. I don't oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He gave Keeper. you, you kind of asked him a really interesting question, like, what's your definition of faith? Mm-hmm. What do you say? I said, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you. His definition of faith is, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Which is, like, you can give yourself fully in the present moment. Yeah. And then not even be concerned about the emotions you may experience in the future. Yeah. And then also, if you're not being congruent in the moment because you're worried about a negative feeling in the future, then what are you even 
passing up on. So it's like living, it's like living, it's by, I remember listening, like if you have, if you're, if you're living in fear of pain, then basically you're going to try and design an entire life trying to avoid pain because what you don't want your life to be about is pain. Mm. But if you design everything in your life to avoid and surround and get away from pain, that actually your entire life is revolved around pain. Mm. So it's, I think, you know, that's why people like doing the cold showers and the Wim Hof and all those kind of things yeah. around like pushing past and reconditioning the relationship with pain where, I mean, do you not want to consciously like, put yourself in that situation? Like, let me tell you this. If you give yourself fully in this life and you're, you know, really, really happy and you have so many friends and stuff, then you're probably going to experience more heartbreak when you're closer to more people and more people die if you lucky to live a long life. Is that a reason not to open yourself up? And like, that's just like a first principles type of philosophical question. I remember when I was in grade five and our teacher asked us, like, would you would you not smile? Like if by smiling your life, you'd be, get a lot of wrinkles, but if you didn't smile, would you, and you wouldn't get wrinkles, what would you do? It's like, I just have a stone face yeah. that never moves. Yeah, it's just like the, the answer is obvious. Yeah. So it's just par for the par for the course. Yeah, a big part of this this podcast and the theme of Circle Up in general is about having difficult conversations. And I think that's why for so many, I mean, for so many reasons, you're my best friend. And for so many reasons, I love you, man. So many reasons I'm grateful for you in my life. But like, like just the synchronicities and the obvious, um, the metaphysics we look at is, you know, we created all of this and we chose yeah. all of this. And like, it's so obvious that I would have yeah. chose you. You have yeah, a podcast so on obvious. conversations worth having. And these difficult conversations that men tend to avoid. Yeah. The reason why Circle Up exists is to give them the space to be able to at least show up. Yeah. Right? Maybe it takes some time yeah. to learn to, to be vulnerable. Maybe it takes some time to feel comfortable and trust and to know it's a confidential space somewhere where I can actually, um, yeah, I had a conversation last night with a friend, a mutual friend of ours, where if fundamentally I'm giving you bullshit about what's happening in my life and the reason why things aren't going the way I want them to, yeah. then all of the advice that I get or all of the uh, solutions yeah. we create is based off a reality that isn't is an illusion yeah it's like if you're, if you're trying to bake a cake and you're literally lying to me around what ingredients you have then i'm going to give you advice on the wrong shit the wrong ingredients. and then you're just getting and then you're actually just leading yourself astray i go to put it together and i'm missing all of these elements yeah, yeah, yeah. so until we can create a, an environment where being completely upfront is possible where I can actually get to the root and the cause of what's really making me struggle right now, yeah. then the, all of the solutions and next steps and conversation we have really just seems like it's, uh, it's a waste of time for the, you know, for the most part. So talk to me about, because one of the things I see you do really well is uh, you're very uh, disarming and you give people the space to be able to be, be vulnerable and you make yeah. people comfortable really easily. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering when we're talking about masculine relationships, we're talking about having difficult conversations. How do you think about creating a space that we can be open and honest and true to ourselves and other people? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of some of Marcus Aurelius quote that I've told you about before, where it said something along the lines of, if you want someone to trust you and you actually like say, believe me, like you don't have to say, trust me and then say it because if you are trustworthy and you mean it, it will come off in all of everything. It's so it's yeah. like, instead of trying to find some sort of like 
hack communication style on the on the X on the output scale that I say this and then they it's like get root into like your actual intent like because when you're being authentic it's when you're incongruent and you're telling people the wrong things and you're doing this and then you want a person to believe you but you can't have it show up in your body language because you don't even believe yourself so and like that's like that's what Jordan Peterson would say that's what Sam Harris would say around lying is like the biggest problem with lying even from the most selfish perspective is once you hear words come out of your mouth with conviction that you know not to be true you've just degraded your word with yourself it's like you didn't pay your credit card to yourself with your with your world with your word and you know you can kind of maybe get away with certain things but if you let the, that momentum come then you're not going to be able to say you're not going to be able to you might have to say trust me first to get them to believe you because it's not going to sound believable when you just say it yeah that makes sense it's like every time you you tell a lie maybe your life doesn't erode right in front of your eyes but it's like a um, like a piece of fabric where one of the threads comes loose and then every time you tell the lie it just like like unravels and unravels deeper and deeper and then all of a sudden you have this giant cord sticking out and you and you get i mean you get a chance to like really see if your word's real too because for example um when we we're in santa Teresa, you and our buddy shay you had an atv mm -hmm. and you're only supposed to have two people we yeah. had three people hop on an atv went yeah. to a parking lot one of the people of the company followed us and was going to give them a big couple hundred dollar ticket yeah they were getting mad yeah and they were going to get mad and they were kind of going back and forth our friend and i and i just looked at him and i'm like please can we we won't do this again i looked him i looked him in the eye and i just like i, could, I literally just tried to communicate like my genuine feelings. I wasn't like, as soon as I get up, get out of this, yeah, yeah fuck this guy. Really it was like, us actually, yeah. <laughs> and then where it really hit, because we, us and Shay talked about it, that a lot. And then also we were, I don't know, we were in a car, we were at a party and there was some girl who wanted to like jump three on. She's like, no, we can't do it. Maybe we should have three. And then like Shay and I were like, kind of like no, we're not going to do that. And Shay's like, we kind of looked the guy in the eye. Yeah. So we gave him our word. We, gave, we looked the guy in the eye and gave him our word, so we can't do that. And then the thing about that, in that situation, you mean it and it works. But then when you do something you weren't supposed to, you look the man in the eye, whoever it is, and you say, I won't do it again. And then you don't do it again. That's what gives you the power to look in the eye of the person the next time and be genuine with it because you know that you're not just doing lip service. Yeah. It's like every genuine, authentic conversation yeah. that leads to genuine, authentic action. Yeah. reinforces that that's who I am yeah. and like everything will be either building the momentum and inertia of your word and your um, uh, your, your yeah. integrity or yeah. it's moving it away yeah Jim Rohn says you're either growing or you're dying yeah right so I, that, that's something that I think to myself because I'm often caught in thinking about like future events and I've been listening to I've been reading Seneca and he talks about getting like preoccupied with trying to arrange the future when really all ultimately the only thing you can control is what's in front of you right here. Yeah. And, um, and just thinking to myself, it's like, what's the, what's, what's the right action to take? Well, it's the next best action alignment with my values. Yeah. Right. It's not worrying about six months from now or three months from now or two weeks from now. It's like the next action I take, does it align with who mm -hmm. I want to be? Yeah. And these things you can't just, you can't just gloss over them and think to understand you got to repeat it. And that occurred to me now because we did our first podcast on this on your show to like 2019 so almost 18 months ago and we were talking about the same author in the same book seneca from the shortness of life yeah that's like a good this, point like yeah, and for example you probably picked when you probably like that point you just brought up now when you read it a couple of years ago that probably didn't even yeah. occur to you 
Yeah. So I think you need to, I think it's really important. Like these are things you need to kind of go through. Revisit. You're, you're basically creating the condition pattern that you want to live in. And then if you're not in that condition pattern, then you're at the whim of the condition pattern of everyone else. And it's not like, it's not that there aren't powers of be, but it's also just everyone has different motives and people are trying to get their thing in. And maybe it's, I mean, probably not going to align with yours if you put a lot of real thought into it. Yeah, that makes sense to me because you might you, you mentioned right at the beginning of the show that, you know, I'm not sure what it is about me, but I like these novel, exciting experiences. Well, it's like the influences that we've been taking yeah. in the books you've been reading, yeah. the greatest thinkers in the world that you've been digesting and internalizing for yourself and then making decisions for yourself have led you to- A lot of dead dudes. Like a lot of dead guys, right? <laughs> Ian loves a good dead writer or a dead philosopher. But um, what that reminds me of is like be very intentional and careful about the, the conversations you have sure. and the influences you take in. And like you said, you can come back to these best, like the best of the best. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's better to be reminded than it is to learn something new. I agree. So if you've read Power of Now, which we have, you know, maybe it doesn't make that much sense to pick up the next best book that came out. Maybe it makes more sense for me to revisit Power yeah. of Now, remind myself of the principles, ask myself, am I living these concepts? Yeah. And is it, has it become part of who I'm being as a man? Because if it isn't, then it maybe makes sense to revisit it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Man, I love I love this style because I could ask you questions forever, so the podcast could just keep going on yeah. and on and on. And I work man. I mean, both of us we could do tabletop or something. Yeah, yeah no, freestyle yeah. um, God. Yeah, for the for those for those that are tuning in, like I just want to take a second to thank Cat for providing us with this Malbec. Malbec baby. Alamos. We met Cat uh, back in Santa Teresa. Costa Rica we spent a bunch of fun with her and when we ended up in San Jose for a night on our way to Puerto Viejo she was also coming to Puerto Viejo so we had that kind of road trip day with her all the way out here which wanted to make sure we took a second to shout her out thanks for the wine I really appreciate it yeah it just reminds me of this really cool quote uh, it's from Winnie the Pooh actually it says and it's all kind of in what I was saying before around like not shying away from doing something that's great because there might be not feeling great after. I wrote how, or I didn't write, it's from Winnie the Pooh. It says, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so awkward. Beautiful, in my opinion. Can you say that again? How lucky am I to have something, um, how lucky am I to have something so beautiful? How lucky am I to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard? Make saying goodbye so hard. Yeah. And it also reminds me it's the uh, same vein as uh, I really like that. Yeah, it's really good. It's fucking it's just, it's just like Yo, it's a, that, it's like that is the but like it that's the right context. It like not to not experience something because it's not gonna last forever. Imagine it brought hey, I made this unbelievable chocolate chip banana bread, and you're like, ah, but if I eat it, it'll be gone. Yeah, and it won't be gone, it won't be yeah. here anymore. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that reminds me of the, the the saying, you know, people want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, shouldn't you be able to yeah. eat your cake? Eat your cake. Yeah. Why do you get the piece? Yeah, I know. Why did you buy it? Why are you, you taking why do you have it in front of you? Why do you have a fork in your hand? You're not gonna, just gonna look at it. Um, oh, another quote that's in the same vein is by the children's poet Shel Silverstein. Mm. He's dead as well, so dead. Shout out to Shell. All right. And he said, um, 
It's called uh, There Are No Happy Endings. Mm. It's called, yeah, it says, There Are No Happy Endings. They are the saddest part. So just give me a happy middle and a very happy start. Yeah, I don't know where Circle Up will take me, but um, I'm having fun. Yep. And I'm learning a lot and I'm building some really fun relationships. Could you take us back to some of the early, because because like we haven't, like you said, we haven't done a show like this. Yeah, um, in a more free flowing. Yeah, in, in a long time. And one of the things I'm curious about is kind of just um, some of the influence Circle Up's had in your life, if it's had any. Yeah. Because I remember when Circle Up started, it was my self-expression leadership project with Landmark. And uh, I was really just trying to rally together our friend group, people that we knew. They're mostly um, millennials, young dudes, 18 to 30 years old. And I wanted to bring them together to a, have a very modern conversation about men's mental health and masculinity and see what that would look like. Just bring them together and then kind of let them create what would happen from that. And I remember um, I was reaching out to the internet. I was saying, hey, y'all, we're going to have this circle up. We're going to get together in Toronto around a fire. And uh, you made a video mm -hmm. and you said, hey, everybody, my friend Jonathan's doing this, this cool thing. Yep. Um, be open-minded to checking it out. It's an important cause to me. And uh, from that, we got Patrick Deloso. Patrick, Patty D. Patrick Deloso to participate. And he joined after a circle up one of um, the teams, Team Mango, and they've been meeting ever since. So over yeah. a year. True. And just like, um, I just really respect and admire your leadership. And for a lot, like for a lot of reasons, like your communication skills, the confidence you instill in other men, the confidence they have in you, knowing that if I put my trust in Gabriel, if I put my, um, you know, if I, if I let Ian lead us, like he's going to lead us to a place of good intention that's going to make life better for everyone. So I'm wondering, what did that experience or what's come from that? If you could talk a little bit about how Circle Up's impacted you, like maybe even what it means to you. Like yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious from your perspective, because I'm talking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to like come up with what's our purpose, all this yeah. stuff. I'm just wondering from your perspective, how do you yeah. see the, the brand and the opportunity and what's come from it? Well, clearly, first off, it makes sense. <laughs> and it's like God's work, whatever that means. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, Preach. because I mean, I've done personal development with you for so long. And so I, like, I, I got like, it was, so what I got, I got like kind of the, the doing a daily discipline and meditation and nice. kind of let that flourish. Wow, that really helped. Yeah, it was good, man. It was great. Yeah, and then it came back to you too. Nice. So it all circled. Yeah, it ever flops back. And, um, but like, and, and at the same time, like I, I, I've done kind of these personal development groups and I've like talked in circles and stuff before. So it was just like really a reaffirmation and like a modern look tailored and niche towards what men need in a more specific way than a more general way, which is part of just being authentic and realizing that there's specific um, uh, challenges that are unique to that, to that situation. And so I got a lot of it out of it personally, but I think what's, um, what's kind of shocked me and I've been so impressed by is seeing all the people in our friend group that uh, decided to, to do it and then got so much value out of it. Not only got so much value out of it, but were not just go through it, but like, yeah, that was worth my time. But like raving reviews where they're getting a lot of value in, in it and uh, they're recommending it to other people. And not only are they doing it for themselves, but they're inspired to go help the other people in their lives. And I mean, kind of comes back there's the, you know, the, the bully in high school and the archetypical scenario is the, you know, he's beating up nerds or whatever in lockers and stuff. And he's usually getting, he's usually getting beat up at home. 
So it's the old adage of hurt people, hurt people. And then, but luckily that's the negative side. So that means that there's a positive side and the positive side is that if hurt people hurt people, then helped people help people and healed people heal people. And that's what you're doing. And you not only get the, I mean, you're alchemizing, turning a negative into a positive, taking a negative experience that you've had, that you've worked through and had some level of competency of getting out and doing the right things and having that manifest inwardly and outwardly in the world. And then you're giving that gift, giving, holding space for other men to do the same. And then what we're seeing, and which is what I was saying I'm like impressed by, not, I wouldn't say surprised because it's not surprising that you're, you and the people are doing it, but it's impressive nonetheless, is that uh, like a leader is someone who makes leaders. So you've not just done it on your own, but you've created a space for other men to do it for themselves, but then also get something out of the giving of them doing it. So it's really just, it's like, uh, it's, it's, so it's such an abundant mindset, not a scarcity mindset, where if you look at the proverbial pie of value, then you're not out here trying to, hey, everybody, this is how you get the biggest piece of the slice, the biggest slice of the pie that you can. You're out here like, how can we make this pie bigger for all of us? Mm. Which is a totally, totally different context. Mm. And it goes back to the Gestalt framework that we've talked so much about around the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, can you just re repeat Gestalt framework? And then I got another question for yeah. you around that. So it's called, uh, it's just a, I think it's a German word called Gestalt, which means the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So it's like, Jonathan does all his cool things, and if I wasn't in the picture, he'd do a bunch of amazing things, and I think I would like to do some cool things too on my own, but then together, we're gonna, it's not one plus one is two, it's one plus one is three or five, or whatever, it's definitely higher than that. Yeah, whatever yeah, it's definitely higher than that. I wanna talk about that, because um, one of the concepts that I'm wrapping my head around in writing the Circle Up book is how my happiness and me thriving is actually like an analogy that you like to use, which is like lighting my own candle yeah. and then being able to light other people's candles and ignite their flames through me enjoying myself and yeah. me having a good time and me um, having a positive experience in my life. So there's this concept of like interdependence. Yeah. And uh, Alan Watts talks about this as like the wharf and the whoop. Right, which is like the tapestry has the, the side that you can see that looks beautiful and is organized, but if you flip it around, it looks kind of like chaos and, yeah. and you can't really notice that. But it's like you wouldn't be able to have the, the beautiful side without the chaos side. And it's like every time I improve my life, it's connected to the people that are connected to me. And it's what we've talked about before around like feeling envious about each other when doing things well. When every time, every fucking time one of us has done well, I'm like, fuck with it. It's like it came back to help the other person, yeah. which then came back to help the other. And then it's just like spiraled into this other uh, drinking wine with like different places. Like it's just, it makes sense. Um, but in, in terms of the, like the, the, the analogy around being a lit flame and then passing it to others kind of circling back. I'm thinking out loud here to conversations we've had before around for me, I'm feel like I'm really in this state where I think that success and contribution isn't linear. So it's like not, if you really want to, if you buy into the contribution being like the highest priority, yeah. it's not about how much you do today, but over the whole time, it's not, it's not a linear. It can, 
maybe I spend a year in a cave and that's what helps me get some understanding and yada yada facilitates through. Even though in that one year you didn't really contribute yes. to anybody else in yeah. the long run, you learning about yourself. Yeah. And it reminds me just, just trying to create like a, an analogy with the flame where I think my qualm in certain ways is like, hey, listen, everybody, you're trying to pass the flame, but you haven't figured out your own flame yet. So you're trying to pass on flickers instead of a, a full stream. And then I also thought about the concept of run your own leg of the race. And then, yeah, so it's like, um, but then also realizing that's different for everyone. So for example, my whole point is, I think what I want to contribute is going to be really like a consciousness expansion of some kind and like, just like kind of, I don't know, within your power or just seeing new possibilities and new horizons. And get and the way for me to do that is to work on my flame to pass it on. But then in terms of everyone running their leg of the race, that doesn't need to be everyone. Not everyone needs to like go into this personal mastery to do their contribution. Like if you're gripped or compelled to run a soup kitchen, maybe you don't need to exercise all your demons before you start chopping vegetables. Like you can just start doing it. Mm -hmm. And then and then it's just like not making yourself wrong for what's gripped you and what you want to contribute or what you want to do and then realize and not put too much so much pressure to, to on yourself to fit what you think you should be doing as opposed to living within your nature and trusting what that way that's gonna take you. Because life's phases, it's not just like now forever. Yeah, it seems simple when you say it that way, but there's a lot of um, a lot of mental chatter that happens and like yeah. self-talk around comparing my leg of the race to somebody else's leg of the race mm -hmm. and uh, judging myself for whatever reason. So uh, one of the things that stood out to me really recently is you keep you keep waking up in the morning and like one of the very first things you say to me is I've noticed myself making and creating problems. Mm -hmm. So you walk up to me in the morning and do whatever I'm doing. You're like, hey, you know what I noticed? I've, I've said, I've been making myself wrong and I'm creating problems for myself. Yeah. Can, you, can you get into that? Because I, I agree that I do that. And I'm not sure if I have the best way to describe mm -hmm. how that shows up for me, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners would agree that, you know, they, whether they want to call it monkeys and they've got monkeys yeah. that are chattering or they've got self-doubt or they've got criticisms of themselves. But how does that show up of this kind of like problem-making conversation in your own head? Yeah, so we've evolved culturally exponentially faster than our DNA has evolved. So our DNA is about the same as it was a couple thousand years ago, and yet our cultures are obviously like they're not night even, day, night, night and day. Yeah. Um, so your your body, your DNA doesn't care about your dreams, doesn't care about your happiness, doesn't care about you know what you want to contribute. All it wants to do is kind of stay alive if, if it's working, you're alive now, and maybe you can have a baby or something like that and pop one out and then, and then, <laughs> sure, and then, uh, and then call it there. And then I guess kind of that biological checklist, yeah. And then like it comes into like uh, uh, the poem that I've brought up a bunch of times that I really like, which is uh, Rumi saying, Somewhere there between right and wrong, there's a garden, I will meet you there. Mm. And what that addresses is getting out of what I've been observing in myself and wanting to, I guess you could argue, transcend or not be ruled by all the time, which is this constant state 
of dividing up everything in your experience from sight, sense, smell, what you're doing, who you're around to. Right or wrong. You're here, right or wrong, and you're here and you're like, I like this, I want more of it, I don't want it to go away. I'm scared of it going away. I don't like this, I want it to end, I want it to stay away. I like this, I don't like this, and that's good, that's bad, this is wrong, this is right. And this, this, this repetitive thought pattern of just this constant deconstructing of everything through the lens and, and thinking that it needs to be labeled as good or bad or virtuous or righteous or wrong. Insanity. It's just, it's this constant state. And to Jonathan's point, I've just been trying to observe it. And that notice that he said, he said, I've told him that multiple warnings. So that realize that this is a it's a it's a work in progress, and the first step of of change is accept acceptance and awareness and awareness and not resistance and non resistance. And Carl Jung had a quote around: "You can't change anything that you don't accept." So until you've because if if you don't if I don't I'm holding a wine glass here. If I don't accept that it's here then how can I do anything about it not being here? I need to first accept that it's here and all it's good and bad, but I get outside of that before I can change it. So if you have a pattern or like you binge eat when you're stressed or then you jump to have too many drinks too quick or you keep watching the extra Netflix show even though you gotta be at work in the morning, so you're just self-sabotaging, all, all those kind of things. And if the first step is just observing and accepting it. And Carl Jung also talks about your shadow and there's so much, you know, worthwhile conversation around being positive and optimistic and you're the light and all the good things, but then also realizing that you have that negativity. You also have the, the, the way to talk about it in a communicated way, even if it's not literal, it's like you have your demons yeah. and you have your selfishness. your selfishness and your flaws and your bitterness and your emptiness and, and like envy and all those kind of things. And it's, if you want to not be ruled by those, and it's really difficult when you're trying to tell yourself that you don't have them. Just talking to someone recently and they are talking about how they did well on this competition that someone got a job over her. Um, and then that girl was in the same competition the next year and she did way worse than her. And she was kind of happy when she found out and she remarked to me that she felt so like guilty that she shouldn't like, I can't believe I thought that. Hmm. And you don't like the, you need to just, it's part of, it's just part of the, the DNA. And, you know, it just comes back to the old you know, parable that we've probably talked about a million times around the grandfather talking to the grandson, grandson, there's two wolves inside of you. One's responsible for all the good and the virtue and the, and the altruism and the happiness and gentleness or passion service. And the other wolf is bitterness and greed and envy and jealousy and negative and dark side. And the little boy says, well, which one wins? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much kind of like, even, even subconsciously a dialogue around, you know, you're so great, you have great things in you, which is true, but almost like brush aside or put under the carpet, into the closet, any type of negative, negative human emotions that you have. And then it kind of projects in like all oh, these people are assholes and they're bitter and it's like well, well we are too sometimes. Yeah. And the point isn't the point is just to observe it and see it and, and and accept it and see it as like a as a thing in and itself. And you can realize when you're in a problem making mode, which is what Jonathan asked me about, and you're worried about this thing, 
but I was just reading a book by Krishnamurti, who was one of the like leading thought leaders prior to Alan Watts. Oh, cool. Yeah, like the guy that Alan Watts has quoted a bunch. Awesome. And he talked about how you're actually not afraid of that thing. It's the fear itself is a living thing. And it's like from a communication standpoint, a living entity, which is feeding on you, creating that feeling of fear. And then the thing is that problem is created in the mind. And then you say, oh, I noticed what's going on. I'm trying to solve this. I'm going to go down this long rabbit hole. Like I should have done this, could do this. And it's actually, you're not solving anything because there's nothing to solve. There isn't any problem. Like the problem, show me the problem. Can't show it to me. It's just like an abstract concept. So it's just learning to, to observe the negative parts of yourself. And then it's also, this is why like having these conversations, conversations is, is important is because it's so not talked about a lot. And yet every person, unless they're a psychopath, <laughs> has experienced some sort yeah. of like remorse or guilt or feeling wrong for a negative feeling. And then you can have the realization of, oh, it's not just me. Because it can be very secluding, isolating feeling if you think everyone's so prime and virtuous and nice, and then you're grappling with these jealousy and negative things, and you think you're the only one, and then you're like, I'm oh, a piece of shit. Yeah. Instead of just realizing that's you're just a piece of the human, <laughs> human society, and yeah. that's part of, the, part of it. One of the biggest realizations that I had after our first round of Circle Up, so it was uh, eight weeks long, we had a, um, we had an eight week circle up where we met around the fire. We were split up into four different teams and the men had um, weekly calls and the men got together for social events and the men talked about challenges they were experiencing in their lives. The biggest feedback that I got after that first round of circle up, which made me realize the value that we offered was men realizing that we all had very similar challenges. That we dealt with the same stuff. Makes sense. We had the same baggage. We feared the same things. And so that's why I like coming together, like you said, to have these conversations. Um, yeah. One of the things you had, had just mentioned there was um, acknowledging your shadow side. And I was wondering if you're open, maybe you can give us whatever context you feel most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But I remember um, I was so overwhelmed on a, a cocktail of, uh, of drugs that we had put together. <laughs> back, in, back in Santa Teresa when we were at El Patio. Yeah, exactly. Which time, when, um, which, which drugs. But anyway, I was overwhelmed. And then afterwards, when we had connected, you had told me that you almost had this Ruby's Garden experience where you're outside of the good and the bad um, and just observing yourself and just being fully present. And one of the things you said you realized from that experience was that you acknowledged your shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about it now leading up to this. Would you, would you talk to me a little bit about like from a practical perspective, what did you notice? And then did you make any decisions coming out of that? Did you uh, change your way of being or was it more just about the awareness that mattered? Cause I'm thinking for our listeners who are hearing, you know, shadow, okay, I get that, but you know, what do I actually do about it? Yeah. I'm, it definitely applies to big picture things and like lifelong things, but it's also, I get weighed down sometimes in just the most innocuous trivialities of just yeah. like ruminating about very, very trivial, like, tedium things type things. Yeah. And then also getting caught in desire, being in like want and like not even necessarily sexual, but just you're in a social dynamic and a thought wave has come through. Where you're like, I want this to happen. And then now you have this expectation that you're trying to 
sometimes make a square peg into a round hole type situation. And then it's this trying to like, trying as opposed to just allowing to unfold yeah. how it's going to unfold that creates this, this incongruence and really this, this friction. And we're on mushrooms when this, it's on this story that Jonathan brought up. Project Circle. And uh, yeah, I think it's super, I think, I think we're going to get there where the conversation we'll is going to be so accessible yeah. and people will be so open-minded to it yeah. that not talking yeah. about it would be Good. the greatest. Well, to not, to not talk about it, would be not service because the whole point is if you want to help the most amount of people take then your mask off you got to do the thing you got to explain the thing that's clear this is one of the modalities yeah, that has made clear. the biggest positive impact yeah. for my mental health and yeah. so we're going to talk about it as a tool that you can use a tool it's not the bl end all although it's a pretty good one and um back to flashback to the mushrooms and the hammock and the roomies yeah i'm sitting outside of right and wrong i'm laying down on the cement at el patio and i look over at you and you're just chilling on the hammock and i'm like what is this guy like and he was vibing i was hot i hit the jail no you stayed right in my right mind that's great right in my neutral outside of right and wrong yeah i just remember lying there and just being outside of like you just it is you can hear the birds chirping right now. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it? It arrives out of nothing. It just is. So it's it's very and here's the thing. With you know, in terms of Jonathan talking about our metaphysics around you're choosing what you want. We live in this human life and we talk in the truth of love and compassion and kindness are just self-evident. And within the context of this life, you can it's i think it's important to have a set of values and to live by them and to try and go out and if you can make a difference and help and do those things you can but then recognizing that at any point you can for the best interest also of the people that you would like to help be the best to keep your flame healthy is at any point you can just step out of that for a bit and go chill in Rumi's garden and he'll meet you there and just and just relax and recharge and not being this constant state of judging and, and criticizing and trying to change everything because that it's just, uh, it's exhausting. And I think it's, uh, it leads to spiritual, mental, physical burnout, repetitive thoughts, all those kind of things that aren't beneficial. One of the reasons this is so effortless is obviously we spend so much time together. There's almost like this, like, running consciousness between yeah, yeah, the two yeah. of us where like I have an idea of what you're thinking you have yeah. an idea of what I'm thinking one of the things you brought up that I have written down and there's already like five or six of those moments already is the concept of you don't need to try yeah That's and that reminds me of Yoda where Yoda says do or do not there is no try and one of the concepts you keep kind of reinforcing in this space is man you don't need to try yeah. so for a lot of people they're listening, they're rushing and they're struggling and they're, you know, trying to control as many variables as they can. And they're really trying as hard as they can. I remember this is when it really clicked for me that I was like, I must be insane <laughs> because uh, we're driving from San Jose with Kat, who yeah. gave us this wine. Thank you, Kat. I really appreciate it. And we were driving to Puerto Viejo, Costa Rica. And I'm in the back seat and I'm breathing but I'm not just breathing, I'm trying to breathe. Yeah, yeah, and and y'all, y'all, y'all like called me to the back and you're like, yo, Jonathan, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just back here trying to breathe. And you're like, what do you mean you're trying to breathe? Like, are you breathing? Or <laughs> like, you either are, that's great, yeah. or not, and we should stop. Yeah. 
and and uh, and so that 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 concept, that theme of trying rather than just being or doing, yeah. um, keeps coming up and, and reinforcing that. Can you talk about the way you look at trying versus allowing, or how do you see um, just just being and because. Uh, because, like, as an example, those of you that like Alan Watts, he describes himself as a spiritual entertainer. If you listen to him, he can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he's not trying, he's just talking. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, in, and not only can Gabriel, can he even do that right now, but in three to five to ten years, he will just be the most entertaining, whatever <laughs> he wants to be of all time. And I'm excited to watch him for I'm excited to be part of it. But, uh, but it doesn't seem like you're trying. So can you talk about yeah, that? What's, that, what's that like? What's that like? So to kind of back up for a second, I mean, the, there's, you know, the trying in this context is used. When I say, like, you don't have to try, it's within a certain context. So to back up for a second, he, the Yoda quote is, no, you either do or don't. You don't, there's no trying. I mean, Jim Rohn addressed this where he said, you know, there's a lot of talk about you. You don't, you don't try. You just either do or don't. He's like, no, you got to try. And his example for that was he was doing speeches with like little kids and he would get a stick and say, who can come up here and jump this? And everyone's like, I can do it, I can do it. And someone goes and they try and they jump and they miss it and they miss the jump. Does that mean they can't jump that high? No, they just didn't do it that time. So he's like, you gotta try and you're not always gonna, gonna do it. So that, that's from one lens and that's one use of the word try. So you do need to, when you, you're, you're, there's an element of trying like to, there's an element of trying there. But what I've been getting at is once you once you really click in, and this was one of the things I had from the mushrooms on the, on the New Year's, is realizing, like really realizing and not just intellectualizing the fact that you are not your thoughts and you are the awareness of them. And that there's an element of the way in which you can look at the world where with yourself where you don't have to try. And if you just surrender to your nature, you actually can stop trying and everything's gonna go, like I've decided to stop trying right now. And yet this is still spewing out of my mouth. Like you can just do that at any point. And you can probably notice that when you're tying your shoe or something like that. So you, or I, you, I've noticed this when I get out of the shower and I use a towel and I'm like, I don't have to try. And I'm just like, gonna bring that up. I'm literally, like, <laughs> I'm literally drying myself and it's like my body's just doing it. Yeah. And I say that in the same way that, you're not the same way your blood's flowing through your veins as we talked about it. Your breath is happening and you can tap into it consciously, but almost all of your breaths are unconscious. And and it just comes back to the other Rumi quote around what you're seeking is seeking you. Mm. And we get really caught into thinking that it's all on us. I gotta figure it all out and all I gotta figure it out. And then everything else would it's like realizing that what you're putting out in the world, not like even from like a biological level like you're smiling at people and you're getting into a good mood. And then when you talk to people, they feel that and you, you can like what there's things working in your favor that is just part of life. Like there's someone and like, if you want to like, you don't even have to look at this huge spiritual level. You could look at it. There's someone going to make the, the best chocolate bar you've ever eaten or the best donut you've ever eaten hasn't even been made yet. Sure. There's some person doing that. But yet we don't think of that as being in our, in our favor. Like, we, one of the things we did to save up for this trip and go around the world was live in a shitty apartment in Toronto with no living room to deduct to get our rooms, neck pain, 2179. And I remember there was, one, there was one day where I was like, oh, it's kind of a shitty place and stuff. And, then, <laughs> and like it was in the winter or whatever, and I was cold. And I went into the shower and I turned the knob 
and there's hot water coming out that's hot. It's like, what? It's pretty crazy. How that because, happened. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I didn't try to figure it out. I don't, it just is. Or it's, oh, someone figured it out. Yeah. And like to, to realize the, the amazing things in our lives from the How quality of life, like we didn't make, I, don't, I could never in a million years could I make this laptop. Not in a million years. And um, it just popped in. Just like that. It just popped in. And, uh, and like to have hot water like a hundred years ago or like yeah. an hour long, you need to be a king. You need yeah. to have servants and they go boil water and they put it in the thing and get it all ready. And it's like, we don't have to do that anymore. I've got a great example. The other night I was complaining about on Monday at the men's team meeting, how in and out the internet was. Yeah. And the guy next door who only spoke Spanish, I was like trying to explain to him how shitty the, the uh, internet situation was. And then I had the thought that I was like, the fact that any signal, whatever even that word- It's going to space. space that's just a word, but it somehow, I can talk to people in Toronto on my on this thing that's a that has a screen and screen's just a word, so it's like what is even that? That's pretty it's like there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to be grateful. I mean, for. like literally the 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 video chats that you can do now are literally better in quality than when they did the original Star Wars movies and they had like the hologram people. Like they had to make the new ones and they for continuity they kept like the the flashing blue hologram but we could do it better now than what was this insane yeah, futuristic totally society at the time. like it, we we and we take it we take it for granted we do i do and we all do um so we, we talked a little bit about trying there and how there is like a practical element to it yeah uh, but there's also an element of surrender yeah one of the things that that's a, become a mantra and i want to kind of place this where i first thought about it was we were in Playa Carmen, Mexico. It was right before Christmas. We had this really dope spot at like, uh, it made me like realize how important from a real estate perspective location is. Yeah. Like location, location, location. We're at Trente, Trente, Trente. Like right beside the El Fogan, which is like a dope yeah, restaurant. Yeah, Carmen, like a five minute walk away from the beach and just on this like perfect main strip. Um, and we had a balcony and we were, it was the three of us, you, me, and Mosin. We were there for three weeks yeah. in Playa Carmen. It was a it was an awesome experience. And I remember I was working out one night on the balcony and I was just totally demoralized with the progress that I had made with my body. I wasn't advancing or making progress as, thought of, as fast as I thought I was going to. And I was just like pissed off, um, disillusioned, fucking mad at the world, mad at myself, mad at that I showed that, that I would have from a metaphysics, like I created all of this and I would have chose to put myself in this position. Like, fuck me. You know what I'm saying? That was the position I was in. And I was about to go into a men's team meeting and I probably would have checked in at a two or a three, but instead, right, maybe 15 minutes before the meeting, I'm laying down on my mat and I'm crying and I'm like, fuck the world. And you open the door and you come in and you're like, Oh bro, are you all right? And you just came and you sat down beside me and we had a conversation. Um, there's so many themes from that experience for me because it's like having these difficult conversations has been a big theme today. Um, being there for each other when when somebody in your life needs you and being able to contribute to that, you really gave to me in that in that experience. That really gave me the 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 fire and the belief that I could at least keep on. Yeah. But the big one was this concept of that I'm reminded of is slow is smooth and smooth is fast 
So this concept in martial arts, well, they, slow yeah. is smooth and smooth is fast. And so I'm wondering kind of, it, it reminds me of this concept of I don't need to try, right? So I think they're related. Yes, it Can you talk to me about the first time you ever heard slow, smooth, smooth is fast. And what does that mean to you? And how do you apply that? Because that it's, it's, it's been a theme for me and I'm thinking about how I can integrate it more in my life. And I think it'd be valuable for our listeners as well. Yeah, I mean, it just popped into my head. It's like, once you get it, you got it. So make sure you got it. <laughs> Before you start rushing around as if you got it, just make sure you get it first and then everything's fine. So you do that. Yeah, yeah, make sure you get it before you got it. Before, before you, you got well, it. make sure you make sure you have it before you start using it or not using it, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we were at a sales meeting. Yeah, it's like work. wearing a mask that I have it all figured out, but I haven't fucking yeah got, figured I haven't out gotten the roots yet. Yeah. So I mean, so we had a sales meeting. We had a sales meeting, and our friend Cole Rabin was talking about a deal or whatever, and he was telling the, the customer that hey, listen, smooth is fast. Sorry, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And, said it with a certain swab that, that stuck out to us. And then the way it swab the way it pertains here is the like for example, like allowing and creating the space for stillness in your life. So as I said, your blood is gonna circulate whether you try or not. And if you start first becoming consciously aware of your breath, you might be consciously aware and like actively taking over for a bit. But then if you just sit with that for a bit, you'll realize that it's happening on its own. Mm. And then if you just allow surrender to, I don't have to try and I can just be here. You're not gonna, like you will be for a while, but eventually something's going to happen and you're just going to start doing it. Like have you've probably, I've, I don't know if you've thought about this. I feel like this is one of those things where I haven't talked to other people, but I know that it's probably just a common experience where you're either walking or running, you're fast walking and you're like, have your headphones in, you're thinking yeah. about a bunch of things and you're like, and you look down and you're like, my legs are just moving right I'm not trying to move them. Mm -hmm. They're just like, I would have to go out of my way to stop. Whereas if I don't, it's just going to, I've said, I'm going to go to the corner store. My legs are walking to the corner store. It's not like something like a magnet almost pulling me towards something. Yeah, exactly. And then I think I like being able to, like I, I said, you know, one that quote within there is that faith is not having to try. And then another definition amongst my billion is faith is, um, Not having to try. Yeah, while he's thinking about it, just to fill it in, we had this like awakening experience in Tulum yeah. over New Year's, and Ian's big theme was faith. And oh, yeah. Over yeah. the next 24 to 48 hours, he was like, faith is, and yeah, he had like, all these definitions, and it was just like freestyle rapping what faith is just yeah, over yeah. and over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, that was good to fill there. Was, uh, faith is being present in the moment and trusting that that's like enough. Because the, I think the, the, when it comes down to the main reason why we're not is we don't want to face the, the tedium of what can be the moment when you have it contrasted by these infinite montages of small snippets of your life along with the infinite void of what the unknown is in, in the future. And it's that trusting that the only place you can ever be here is now. And the reason what stops that is, well, I can't be present just sitting here talking to my friend or eating my food because there's something that's got to get done. And if I don't do it now, then it won't happen. And it's just trusting that you can, and you trusting that you can just be fully engaged with what you're doing and just do that. And that, that when you're just there, that's when, when you just trust yourself and surrender to being where you are, 
and trusting that it's going to take you where you need to be, that you're good. And then the biggest trip is just realizing you're not only are you already there, but you've always been there. Like that's your base state is here and you've been distracting yourself otherwise, but you're always here. And this is the only place where anything gets done. If yeah. that's something that motivates you. That kind of reminds me of the irony of the till the end tattoo. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. No end, Once I realized that, it was like till the end. It's like, it's always now. So we're already there. Yeah. So till the so end doesn't exist. Yeah. We were, at, we're at it. So it's just going to be this. I mean, it's just a way of, I guess it's like, it's, um, it's just funny. Within, this, eyes, within yeah. this confines of this iteration and shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk about. So we, 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 I feel like I'm, I'm getting somewhere with the, you don't have to try fat, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. I want to talk about how words are just symbols and pointing mm-hmm. versus the actual thing, Sweet. which is the present moment is the actual thing. Sure. And the reason I want to bring it up is because back to the reason why I'm doing this show, back to the reason why circle up exists is to create a space where men can take off their masks and be vulnerable about what's going on. Um, because I got, like, as an example, um, I have a friend in my life right now who's having some heart issues and just like the communication with him, even though it might be a crisis for him, is that like, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, don't worry about me. And here I am over here, like wondering, am I really a good friend that I'm not just like on the phones talking to his wife and talking to his kids and trying to find out what's going on. And so like it really stand, right? Yeah, taking a stand, like it really comes back to like having these difficult conversations. Yeah, that reminds me of the Jim Rohn quote, I can't stand a dry-eyed sermon on hellfire. Because I don't know if you believe or not, but I can take I can take a sermon on hellfire if the if the, the priest is up there, pastor's up there crying, passionate, crying, <laughs> weeping, weeping for my soul that he thinks he's saving. But I can't you can't be out there dry. He's like, I can't you can't take a dry-eyed sermon on hellfire. So it, it's just like the when someone knows how much you care, it gives more leeway to be more blunt and more harsh because it's coming from the right place. And that's what they feel. So and then that comes back to embodying that as opposed to, hey, trust me, I'm close to you. Like you have to know that yeah. I have in front. Like you don't need when you're coming from the right place, you don't need to say I'm coming from the right place because it's fucking obvious. Yeah. Yeah, there's the the be there golden rules with Jack the Oregon they talk about. Uh, showing you care and it isn't about what you say no it's like do you care or not and if you do they'll know yeah and you'll know and you'll take the actions towards that so i'm just i'm kind of asking myself questions around like am i really so preoccupied with expectations and how i think my life should go and looking good that i when it really matters i'm not there for the people that i care about and when they really need me to serve and they really need me to show up and ask them the tough questions, the vulnerable questions, the, the difficult yeah. conversations, I can't show up. And so uh, I'm just wondering for you, because because we have the till the end, because the point of circle up is to come together and have these conversations, these difficult conversations, um, would you be open to being vulnerable with our audience about uh, maybe a close shave you've had in the last 12 months, the last uh, 24 months? And I can, I can start while you think about it, because Right before we left for our trip, it was uh, early in the quarantine, and uh, it was like maybe the second week of the quarantine. Um, my brother had his son, and uh, Noah was born, but he was born with health complications, mm-hmm. and um, it was devastating for our family. 
he was born with no pulse. And so they pulled him out through a C-section. It was an emergency C-section. And by the time they did CPR and brought him back, and by the time they did the, the brain scans to find out how he was doing, they basically said he's going to be a vegetable. And that was uh, probably the most heart-wrenching thing that's ever happened in my whole family. The, from my brother and his fiance to all of our immediate family and the people that are extended from there. And uh, you've been there for me on every single one of those trying moments in my life in the last six, seven years, eight years. And uh, I like to think that I'm there for you. And, I, and I'm sure that our listeners can think of maybe one person in their life that was there for them when they were going through a hard time. But it really, it really is our relationships. And you keep reminding me of this. It really is our relationships that make us realize that it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just wondering for you, like, do you mind, are you open to sharing a, 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 an experience you've been through and maybe talking through how you dealt with it or if there was someone in your life that helped you through it? Because I think that's really what, what, I'm, what I'm creating this show for is, is uh, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's very confronting, yeah. we need to just show up for each other. For sure. And you've always been there for me, man. Yeah, dude. Totally gonna do. And yeah, I mean, I think it was, I mean, I think, I mean, what we're getting at, because we've in on our podcast and this one, we've like dancing around like all the drugs and stuff and realizing that if you want to be a change, you bring your authentic self. And it's not that you need to bring every aspect of your personal life to the public life. But if you're going to talk about philosophy and betterment and men's health and being vulnerable, then talk, like to not talk about drugs in, in the common, in the it seems like people, as you become an adult, you realize how many people do drugs. <laughs> and then yet it's, everyone's like pretending like that they they don't like you talk True. to like everyone's done everyone's done yeah we literally have this inside joke that life is just getting together with the amigos and doing drugs fucking not a bad philosophy getting together with the amigos and yeah drugs. and i mean there's obviously too much and then there's too little like a couple of years ago 2019 we went to just a bunch of festivals and like did too much mdma um and then i was just very basically mdma if you don't know it basically supercharges your serotonin so you like that happy chemical, like think when you got a job or <laughs> someone went out with you or like something yeah. cool like that. And you just had like that rush to feel good, except instead of 30 seconds, like three hours, not yeah. to, not to promote. Although don't say that. Let's go away really quick. You don't even remember what yeah. music it is. And uh, so, but then after, then it, it can like temporarily, it, it temporarily slows the production of serotonin and serotonin is a very important incentivization muscle, mood regulator, uh, mood regulator not muscle, but in terms a chemical in terms of like feeling good and stuff. Anyway, I was, I just, my serotonin wasn't working for a couple months properly, essentially. And then without, even during that and after that, I went to Amsterdam and Jonathan surprised me and we went out to a couple like raves and a festival there and had a lot of fun. Um, but we, we bought these, it was really interesting. So we bought, we're, we're told not to buy like street drugs. And how we, how <laughs> we're, we're going through this area. Yeah. We're like, going through this area. Like, <laughs> go to this alleyway, buy it from the guy. But we knew and we didn't trust yeah. it from that. But we, we had a conversation that, with ourselves. And this is important. Yeah, there's, um, there's uh, free testing centers in Amsterdam because they know that people Thank are going to do drugs anyway. So make sure Thank that you. they're safe. So we go in and they test it. Which safe. is a responsible Which approach. is how it's just a responsible approach. Anyway, after Jonathan left, because he just came for the weekend, and I was going on to Belgium and Paris and a couple other places, 
uh i had like we bought way we didn't know how strong it was so we bought like way more drugs pure. like <laughs> we bought way more drugs than we needed like ecstasy. way more than we could ever do and um uh and then i like jonathan was gone and i was already feeling bad i was feeling awful then jonathan came i felt better but then we did more than more drugs where i was like not higher up on the ladder and then now even lower and i'm just like desolate as shit and i was in this shitty little like the shitty dead hostel in raining, Belgium. It was literally raining. And uh, I had all the, like, the drugs in the bag. And I think there's certain, like, preempt, like, prior, you wouldn't know what the decision means, but by it's like a principal deciding decision. Yeah. And I was like, I felt so shit. I was like, oh, I could probably take a little bit more, just a bit, have fun, feel better. And I had probably like two grams, like, probably around. 20 servings of MDMA Holy if shit. I really wanted to. I, and I took, I took zero of them and I poured them all down the toilet. Like I was on the, I had it, I was like, maybe I was like thinking about it. I was like, no, no, I poured it all down. Thanks for forgetting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. I think it was the path of least resistance. I saw that. I knew that I would be digging further in the hole, so I might as well start climbing now. Um, you gotta climb at some point. And then I didn't feel like totally right again until like, yeah. January, I I remember that. two months later, months oh, later, three months, you came up two to and me and like, bro, do you feel like you're kind of getting back? And I'm like, I was like, just back, feeling good, feeling normal. Yeah, so we really did that. Was a and then yeah, summer. and then to kind of fill out the story, like I got back from Europe, I was there for almost a month, and then I went back to work, and I was like doing my work, but then I'd go home. Had some nagging injuries that I wasn't like rehabbing properly, so I wasn't working out, which is like a huge mood regulator in general, yeah. especially one for me and one that I enjoy. And I, yeah. so I fell out of that. And I was just like smoking weed and eating pizza and like shitty food and just falling into this cycle until realizing I didn't want to do that anymore. These dominoes orders were yeah, <laughs> stacking. The dominoes orders were fucking falling over in unison, one by one. Um, but yeah, that, that was like that was probably the like the like probably one of the most like just from a just feeling level like on the outside world like from an outside perspective everything was fine. Yeah, good job. Living in Toronto with Jonathan, doing fun stuff, friends, all that kind of stuff. Just travel for a month, but like inwardly just destroyed. Like just not not happy, not happy. And then um, and then I would say I felt better in January, and then started doing circle up at the end of February, and then I did the meditation. That was really that was really helpful. Um, and then I think it's just realizing, you know, Jim Rohn, the guy we like talks a lot about the seasons of life, mm -hmm. you know, the springs and summers yeah. and falls and winters yeah. and that realizing that winters are going to come pretty much every year, <laughs> Unless right after that. fall, right after falls. And that's just how it goes. So it's like realizing the, the, the structure and the flow and the, the system of a winter of emotionally in your life things not going right and being discontented and then narrowing your focus from the infinite realm of things you could do to the things that you know that can make you feel better so things that i wrote down called them like negative thought negative habit thought triggers or like fail safes where sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like that was a terrible day and everything went wrong but then if you really took an audit of it all and you then looked at a list of things that you like, you probably didn't do the things you enjoy. So mm -hmm. for me, and I'd say they're pretty like generic in general to what people make people feel good. Writing, writing. exercise, reading, writing, meditation, spending time with friends, um, learning, dancing, those kind of things. And 
just making time for those. And that's just where like figuring out what, what, what makes you feel good and then actually making time to prioritize what's good for you first. It's like the old, um, like put the airplane oxygen mask over yourself yeah. before anyone else yeah. and making sure that you do the things that like narrow the focus, like if making sure that you're exercising and you're spending time with friends and you're eating relatively well and doing things you enjoy and make you come alive and then things kind of flow from that space and then now you feel good and you can go do all the things that are mm. maybe necessary or tedium yeah. and meticulous. It's that filling up, right? It's that lighting your own candle. Yeah. It's Not looking at outwards, but inwards. Yeah. Uh, can we just like double tap on this concept of you were in this place where you made a very important decision. Like you can look back on your life and say, hey, you know what? I could have went left. Yeah. But I decided to go right. Yeah. If, I mean, if I was in that go left or go right and I went right with two grams of MDMA in the state I was already in, like, I don't, I don't think I would have got to a point of like literal suicide or anything like that. But like, it would have been pretty fucking hellish about as hellish as you'd get because like just my body wouldn't be, my brain would not be properly functioning. Yeah. And it just reminds me of this, this concept of like the next decision you make can be the right decision. Yeah. The next decision could be in alignment with the direction you want to take. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's uh, Jim Rohn's idea of like, you can't change the destination of your life overnight, but you can change the direction. And in that moment, when you made that call, to flush it down the toilet, you literally change the direct, the, yeah. the direction of it all. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just for our listeners and back to the purpose of circle up that exists is like, you know, how do we, how do we do that for ourselves? Like, how do we, like, let's say as an example, somebody that's listening has a, an addiction of some sort. Sure. Um, maybe it's drinking, maybe it's uh, overeating, maybe like as an example for me, I can't control the, the consumption or I'm not controlling the consumption of uh, marijuana that I smoke, like as an example, like instead of using it as a celebration tool, um, I go back to GK Chesterton, which I'm using it for health, right? Just to get me back to this, this state of uh, equilibrium, right? He's great, eh? but like instead of using it as a like I'm I'm celebrating the day or I'm in, um, I'm just like enjoying like after, like after this show, like it'd be like a reason like I brought us some dessert so we could fucking eat some whatever, like, some pastries. That, that's quite some demons of like, here, like you address here, the demons around here me. Here it is, right? but that being said, this is a great topic. Here it is, right? Well, it's funny. I was listening to our podcast with uh, Mosin. And we were talking about uh, like we were I don't know we were like drinking and oh, smoking yeah, yeah. and like smoking cigars and everything like the whole show and we we're like you gotta watch out for the amount of drugs you're taking and then and then we were like all laughing and then most of like this is not one of those times and I just thought it was that was hilarious but you gotta watch it but it's like so, so this is maybe even a better question is rather than like uh, how do you not bullshit yourself I guess that's a better question. Right, because like in that moment, you could have easily Easy. rationalized. All of the little, pinky. I just have a hit, you know. All those pinky. I won't even. And I still had some like it wasn't. It was the one that he bought, <laughs> but then there was also this like blue Superman ecstasy <laughs> that these like crazy fucking British yeah, dudes guys that. fucking hilarious British dudes that gave me. Jeez, and like so, like there's just all the options and like nothing else to do. So like nobody would have policed me. No one would have yeah. done what I was doing. I could have easily. Easily, easily just gone down the path of hell. No one's watching. Gone down the path of hell. So maybe that's the question is like, how do we, how do we get out of buying our own bullshit? Like, what does even that mean, buying your own bullshit? And like, how did you in that moment know that it was the wrong decision to do it? And I was bullshitting myself. And so I'm going to do a better, better decision. Because 
a lot of men, I'm, I'm bullshitting myself all the time. Yeah. Right. And a lot of men listening to this show are bullshitting themselves all the time. And the gap between the men they've always wanted to be and the men they are today is very small. And a lot of the barrier is them bullshitting themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting way to talk about it is we've discussed how suicide is irrational and that if it was rational, then, and you just decided <laughs> this life is too much suffering. Yeah. Let me, I, but I, why not go spend all your money in the bank? Go, go to the most expensive yeah, dinners, be do like a bunch of like hair. You know what I mean? Like just go do yeah. right, whatever. All things you're like, I'm going to die anyway. Might as well fucking spend all the shit I've been working. That would be the rational thing. That, but it's clearly not rational because it's like almost like they've it's been thinking about it for a long time. They're in this crisis. Most people don't have the nerve to do it. And then they get to this point and they're like, well, I got to do it before this feeling of conviction to do it wears off. And I was that in the opposite way with the drugs where I was like, I'm in this state of in like a feeling like I'm looking at this from the right lens. And I'm like, I need to pour this down now. Mm. I could have easily been like, oh, I don't, I, I won't clearly don't want it now, but maybe I'll want it later and I'll wait. Sure. And I was in a place where I, I could just, I don't know, it was just like clearly not bullshit where I recognize, like uh, you see a twilight zone, you see the Indiana Jones door closing, he just grabs his hat and pulls it out. And it was like, I recognize, I could just, I could zoom out for a second. I could be like, I'm in this hospital all alone for the next couple of weeks. I have a shitload of drugs and I already did too much and I feel like shit. And I might want them later, but I'm in this state now where I'm seeing this in the correct way. Let me pour this down before anything happens. And I just poured it down. So I think there's an element of like, there's a certain urgency at the right moment that you need to tap into. And there's no like lesson of like how to recognize that outside of just like be aware of that. And I was aware that I am a person that I'm probably serotonin deficient right now and my body would probably love some serotonin and I feel good enough to be looking at this now, but I know that I'm probably, the whole point is that I don't feel good and even though I feel smart enough in this moment to do something about it, I know that I won't necessarily be later and I need to take advantage of that moment now. It's like, on a lesser degree, it's like, you have all the one thing I'll do is when I order a pizza and it comes with like a, a drink deal and I'll order a, a diet coke. If they bring me a coke, I may drink a bit, but then I'll I don't put it in the fridge most of the time because I know I'll drink it. I just pour it down the pour it down the sink because I know if I wake up at four in the morning I'm fucking thirsty. Yeah. I just ate a bunch of carbs and sugar and I know it's in there and I know I'm gonna go drink it. So I gotta pour it before I know that I'm craving it. Yeah, it's like a first principle of like don't bring cookies into the house. Yeah, right? it's exactly. Like if you're gonna eat the cookies, eat them out there, but don't bring them back over here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and that's why we also have men in our lives. And that's why we also have people in our lives that care about us, right? Because um, I like to think that I'm there for you, mm -hmm. and I like to think that I'm paying attention to how you're showing up in the world. But then I get so caught up in my own baggage, and I get so caught up in my own um, conversation that I'm having with myself and not being present that it's very difficult to pay attention to the people in our lives that we care about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have our crosses to bear. So to mm -hmm. uh, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I think this was a, a useful use of time. I hope everybody that's listening to episode 50 of the strip up podcast is excited about it. Uh, episode 100 coming to you soon, but the, the last kind of concept that I had is I wanted to bring up a man in our lives that has been um, mutually 
a, a positive influence on us because I like to think about um, how I can live into and step into the way of being that a lot of the men that I admire show up. And one of them is a, a guy named Mark Estelle. And he was the CEO of a company that we worked for, first maintenance assistant, and then fixed software. And uh, I kind of wanted to place us at an event where it was one of the very last times that I saw him in person because we had the pandemic and then you and I started traveling. So I haven't seen him in, in over a year, but it was his retirement party. Mm. And it was in Roncesvalles in Toronto. It was at Bandit Brewery. And we were there surrounded by virtually all of the company at the time. Yep. And he gave this speech about how essentially his retirement was based off of gratitude. And it wasn't to do with like how smart he was, even though he did acknowledge that he might, might be a, smart, be a guy, smart guy, which he, he tends <laughs> to be a is. genius. Um, it was mostly about being grateful for the contribution that everyone had made, specifically the time that they invested because he had, he had pointed out that, hey, you know what, like I'm, like it's not lost on me that the time that you've decided to contribute to fix has been the most important years of your lives. And so I'm wondering for you, is there anything you've learned about uh, being present from Mark or is there anything that you want to share about just like not, not wasting this time that we have, right? I know you talk in your speeches about urgency and I just want to kind of wrap this show up with, um, you know, I know we talked a lot about not having to try on this show, but just also about just getting the most out of life by being present. Yeah. Our friend Mark Nguyen, who was with us in... Different Mark. Different Mark, who was in uh, Mexico with us. I've told yeah. you this story. He, like, who also worked with us, and he went for, like, a walk with Mark Estelle. But I forget what led up to this. And I kind of touched on this and how it seeped into my philosophy earlier in this discussion. But he talked about how, you know, you're in this flow of life, you've picked a battlefield and you have a job and career and like all the, all the variables that make your life you in all the different main categories. And it's great and you can go do them and you can try and you can go do that. But at any point, if that is equivalent to a river or stream that you're in, at any point, you know, it's fun to swim and fun to do that, but at any point, if it's too much, you can just pop your head up and you should pop your head up and kind of look around and look at it from a more meta level and, and be able to kind of see things outside of your own personal desires and interests and kind of get a more holistic approach. So it's really great focuses. And he also said that focus is really important and you should just do one thing while you're doing the one thing and not be multitasking. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah. And at the same time, it makes sense to be able to pop out of that from, from at, at different times when necessary or when helpful, fruitful, and look around and say, I mean, holy shit, okay, I'm a dude, I'm in this foreign country, and go through all the list of different things. And you can literally just, if you want to, look at it from a different perspective. And then that will help you when you kind of come back to your regular day state of being it'll help you navigate in a more, I mean, in a way that you've seen more. You've seen it from a higher, from a, a better perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of Alan once talking about like zooming in, zooming out. Yeah. And being able to see it from a different context, being able to view it from a different lens. Yeah, because it's like, for, to, to kind of, if it's not making sense around like the trying stuff, it's like from a certain magnification, you do have to try. Like at the end of the day, like 
you're doing the thing and you're kind of not feeling it, but you decided you're going to do it today. Now you might have to try. But like that's not that's not like that's a different lens that we're talking about where so if you're like just giving a fuck, right? Yeah, it's like it. But if you live within your nature, then there isn't this like friction. Like you might think it's like trying to exercise, but it's actually within your nature. And if you allow yourself to be put into a natural state, then you're going to move your body. Like it's just that it. Like it's not a. Yeah. It's not. Like you can push yourself, but you don't like need to like destroy yourself by workouts to live within a healthy way. You can just kind of you can lose. Like the barrier to entry is both a lot lower than most people think, and yet still less met than should be. That's a great point because on our men's team, there's a few men that have taken on the discipline of walking every day, and they've noticed without a shadow of a doubt. They said. Walking for 30 minutes, walking for 60 minutes. It's not, it's not a question. Transformed every aspect of my life. Yeah. And it's just getting your body moving, yeah. uh, getting out of lethargy, getting out of sitting in your basement and watching TV all day. It's realizing, because we, we talked about this the other day, I think especially with exercise, there's this notion of, you know, you should exercise so that you can play with your grandkids. And you know that very pushing well, it off. That very well maybe that very well may be true. You'll benefit, but it's years. not very inspiring to go for a yeah, run if you think it's like to go put on your shoes. It's cold and you don't want yeah. to do it, and you're tired and you got stuff to do and you're busy. Oh, oh I'm gonna play with my grandkids. Years <laughs> like that doesn't. It's, it's not for most people. It's, it's not for most people, that's not gonna do it for them. But if you notice that when you do, after you do during and after the run itself, like right now you feel better. Get a big smile on your face. Yeah, like Mark me and uh, when we were in Mexico, I was showing him my different core and like lower back and shoulder routines. And we'd done it a couple times. And I was telling him like, he was asking me about how to feel better. I'm like, if you do this every day, you'll feel better. And then he's like, well, how do you know? Like, I'm like, do it. You feel yeah. better. Like, it's not like you don't have, you have to wait sure. the month and then you'll, You'll do it the one time yeah. and feel better after the one time. Meditation is a and great, great example. example a great example for that. And then with exercise, I think there's most people not doing it, but there's a lot of people that, I mean, if you haven't exercised in a really long time and then you like are destroyed you from the workout, then you far. push too far. Like the whole, not it doesn't have to be, it point. doesn't have to be, your edge is very different. Like when I broke my wrist, I'm pretty, I think I'm relatively strong when I broke my wrist. And then when I had a cast on for a couple of months and I took it off, well, I can't compare myself to how strong I was prior to that because sure. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that's the concept of like meeting yourself where you're at, which is whatever is, whatever's your edge now, maybe it's 30 minutes of walking, start there and notice how good that makes you feel. And, and we've talked about this around like not like comparing yourself or meeting yourself where you're at as opposed to comparing yourself to some abstract or to some idea of what you used to be. And then, and then it makes so much sense because it's, you're gonna, by meeting yourself, you're at, you're in the present moment, which is reality, which is what is, as opposed to living in it through this filter of like literally a mental abstraction. And like, once you realize that everything we think is reality, most of it is just story and interpretation. Like you think you're Jonathan Andrews, you have the Circle Up podcast and you have all this thing. It's like, well, there's some veins there and some skin and some skeleton under there. And this blood, and long hair, and all that random shit in there. I'm like that's what you are, but it's like, yeah, this is a way of communicating.
I think uh, the kind of the last idea that I wanted to just touch on is around your own personal philosophy, because we've been buddies for a long time, best friends for a while, travel companions, business partners. Uh, we've shared so much unique experiences together that um, not only I, there's like this big dichotomy and this paradox for me is like part of me is just like, um, you know, admires you and is inspired by you and loves you. And the other part of me is jealous of you and fucking thinks you're, you know, you're this like, it's like, how is it possible that he's able to, um, you know, come up with this stuff and be, hey, so, I, be so, be so poetic. And so, um, you know, kind of just like around that, that philosophy of like the paradox is there of both. Right. Um, and I, I wrestle with both every single day, but at the end of the day, I'm just grateful for having you in my life because if anything, you're just like a spiritual teacher for me. You know what I'm saying? Like you're a mirror for me yeah, yeah, yeah. of how I approach life and how I show up in the world. And if, if I'm doing things the way I want to, and if I'm being congruent with what I say I want and I'm honoring the truth and being myself. So I kind of just wanted to share uh, and give yourself the opportunity to, to talk about um, your, your life philosophy and the way you're looking at your life today. I know that might have been different in the past. I know it might change in the future. But even just from a selfish perspective of me wanting to know where you're coming from, so that instead of me creating stories around the actions you take, yeah. I can just see, okay, well, that's the way Ian, that's the way Ian's looking at the world. Yeah. And it'll help me have a better understanding just as we, we close off. And, yeah. Um, you know, how are you thinking about living your life right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's nuanced and there's truth and there's real pursuit and there's self-bullshit and there's a whole like a whole whole cohort of things it's like it, it's all in there like one of the things i've been realizing is i don't like signing off chunks of my time into this half like and there's the concept within different men's teams and stuff around just like come hell or high water and it's like really if there's high water you guys are still gonna play road hockey like i don't i just i, I don't I, I don't relate to that. And I'm realizing it's like, you know, if you make um, like a commitment that keeps getting failed, then it's the wrong fucking commitment. Sure. So it's like, I, not to like put this on you, but it, like we've talked so much about like the, you know, the goal of like waking up with your uh, alarm clock. Well, it's like, if you're missing it 90% of the time, then it's the wrong goal. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm, or I'm just not meeting myself where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, making it too difficult. Yeah. Not yeah standardizing yeah. and making it so easy that I couldn't fail. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you want to wake up at yeah. seven, if you're waking up at 10 a.m. all the time, you're like, no, I'm going to wake up at seven. It's like, well, just make sure you get up at nine. Sure. And then when you figure that out, then the next one. And like doing that, trying to do that for myself and then not getting like, like, pulled into like what seems like false dichotomies like it's gonna be you're gonna do like this this or this it's like whoa who said those are the options um but i mean i'm in a like i feel like you know like in the consciousness expansion kind of phase tip of the spear type like consciousness and then also like recognizing that within that within questioning everything like gonna question every idea every authority well you're gonna question one authority one idea and actually they have a pretty good rebuttal <laughs> So like part of what I think I'm trying to do right now in terms of like kind of like get into new space, new terrain is like, I'm also going to spend just like in sales where you're told 70% of your time isn't going to directly relate to anything. It's like 70% of my time of like trying to do things is like, oh, I was thinking about this idea for a week and it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be like that or, or like a, across the board. And I think 
from a philosophical perspective, it's just where I'm at right now. And what I'm at right now is just, we, I mean, we're both in the same position in terms of being outside of the money game. So we have enough money to travel frugally for an indefinite amount of time, as long as we don't be total dumbasses. Yeah. About it. And I'm real like what the way we're doing it right now, it is, a the 0.0000000001% of humans ever are going to spend this amount of time doing like not just staying in like a hut in a cave somewhere and like going around doing different things and not like having to actively be like I gotta make money or do something I, I don't want to do to keep making income to supply this lifestyle that we're doing and so it's like within that and then giving my per, per giving myself permission that not everything has to be a direct contribution to everything else. And, and then also I've realized that what, you know, you said personal philosophy, and I think it's like double click on the personal philosophy and realizing that what is going to excite me and make sense for me isn't going to be the thing that everyone should do. So it's like one of the, like one of the even like ideas and words I'm trying to get away from that works for a lot of people and should be used by a lot of people is like really thinking of like discipline and like in the in the context of doing things you really don't want to do or things you don't want to do to like for a greater goal and that actually is great advice for a lot of people and it doesn't fucking do it for me i don't like this is just like meeting yourself where you're at in your nature it's like i need i need to get to the context where what i'm doing is what i want to do like, otherwise I'm not happy. And we've joked about this where we have like different friends that, you know, they have business ideas about the actual, like it could be about fucking paint or like any random obscure thing, whatever it is. And they are so excited about it. They're excited about the networking and the challenge and the, the logistics, getting logistics and getting it done. Chain. And I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. And like, and I'm not saying it goes back to your leg of the race. Yeah. And, and, and this is where there's like nuance to it. It's like, yes, there's a portion of bullshit. Yes. There's like a, a, a part that I should give away a little bit and have certain disciplines and do things I don't want to do and, and like all that. But I also think it's like, I, I guess the philosophy from where I'm currently at is I'm basically, I feel like I'm in like an unconditioning phase. I'm trying to like, remove all the like i do not need you know you're doing philosophy but i gotta go do the work or i'm not gonna have food to live i'm not we're not in that position so it's like we've created ourselves in a position where we don't really like life or death need any need to do anything which allows me to get into like the philosophy basically what you're asking is my philosophy is once you realize that you don't have to do anything you can do anything and so if you really want to do anything then you should really realize that you don't have to. So I think I'm really trying to like hone in on this, this sense of like, I don't have to do anything and surrendering and trusting to, I don't have to like nothing. I don't have to contribute to anyone. I don't have to help anyone. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to eat. I don't have to do anything. And when I get to that point, I'm trusting that I'm not gonna like, and maybe I will for a period yeah. of time, but I probably won't. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a stripping away of all the identifications you yeah. put on yourself of like, I need to do this because I'm that. So it's like right. everyone is, I feel like, and obviously this is judgmental and not completely true, but I feel like so many people are so busy 
oh, oh, that, that sweater works, and they're putting on that sweater, and they're like, oh, that hat, and they're putting on that hat, and they're just putting on all these different things, and I'm like trying to take off things. I'm trying to take it off, I'm trying to take it off and try and get to like my natural state while mixed with doing things that I just want to do for the hell of it, and generally speaking, live a life of play and live a life of like where everything is in, like every, like the, the quote, <laughs> the high thought we had around, like your life is a metaphor for life. It's like, well, I'm not like, Alan, Alan Watts says, Alan Watts says, um, like knowing God or like your consciousness, your power, whatever, whatever words you want to put it, isn't thinking about that while you're doing the dishes. It's just doing, or peeling potatoes, as he said, it's just peeling potatoes. So it's like realizing that everything you do is some sort of, some sort of metaphor for something else. Like in The Alchemist, we read um, about this boy, shepherd boy, who lost, got all of his stuff stolen. He went to this crystal merchant and he asked for some food and said he would clean all the crystals in the shop before. And then after he did it, the man said, I'm Muslim, so I'm obligated to give you a meal anyway. And the boy said, well, then why are you, why did you make me clean it? And he said, oh, well, you need to, you clearly could use some, some mental cleaning of the process of doing that. So it's like, everything's internal. So prioritize the internal over the external, but they are interdependent and you can symbolically represent the internal things through external disciplines or play games, whatever you want to rationalize it. Like the other, like, and then just getting on the right side of the way things work. And like, maybe, maybe if you're feeling some sort of internal turmoil, maybe you do need to sit down and meditate but maybe you need to go for a run, which is external, or like go talk to someone else, or maybe you do need to quit the job, or maybe you don't, but it's just like, it's like this realizing that the, like, like Alan Watts talking about our skin not separating us from the outside world, but it's the bridge, the connector to the outside world, and then that everything out in front of you is a reflection of how you feel inside mm -hmm. your head, so, which would be like why Jordan Peterson would say something along the lines of like, or would say, clean your room. So many people trying to change the world and they're not even taking care of themselves. So, and then like that applies literally to the space of cleaning your room, but it also applies to the room of your mind. Where, I mean, I'm like, I, it's not that I'm not, we're not putting up things, I'm not putting up things that are helpful and having dialogue, but it's like, let me fucking really get this flame good because when it's good, in the lesser time being lit properly will do more than a shittier flame over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that seems to be a common theme for you is this concept of like, uh, rather than positioning as discipline, which a lot of the personal development industry uh, positions it as, is you position it as one of the ways that Alan talks about living the life experience, which is play. Yeah. And I, I was inspired by that because, um, I think it's right here. Um, uh, we had a, our uh, men's team did a, oh, yeah. our men's team did a, uh, an exercise where we, we basically said like, who's one man that contributed to you being successful? Oh, I didn't even see any of this before, sorry. Oh yeah, it's all good. Uh, was that, who's one man that contributed to your life being successful and what's something that they taught you? And when I think about you and I, I think about the way Alan Watts describes um, prickles and goo. And he says, there's some people that are prickly. And he says, there's some people that are very gooey. 
and they're prickly people. They like it cut and dry. They like it very straightforward. They want to know uh, when it's happening, where it's happening, all these details. And the gooey people kind of more go by feeling and are living in the moment, living in the present. Um, and one of the things you taught me is how to like be a little bit more gooey, how to play, how to play more. And that kind of seems to be one of the kind of the major philosophies that you've taken on. Yeah. I mean, that's why we do so well together. It's like I'm more of a gooey person. You're more of a prickly person. And you help round out the prickliness and I help round out the, the gooeyness. And it fucking works. <laughs> Yeah, he was playing so much that he ended up in the ocean with this thing or something. I think his beer got more done. Beer? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> beer? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, cool, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. This was fun. I appreciate it. This fun stuff. Fucking, hopefully this one get posted before we get fucking deleted. Oh, but yeah. Let's get I don't even know what we talked about in that episode, but yeah, right before we got um, laid off from Fix Software, I had a couple of recordings that were... Um, excellent podcasts, but on a fixed cloud that was deleted, including a podcast that Gabriel and I did together. Uh, but happy to be able to get this one set up. Episode 50 is an important episode. Maybe we'll do like episode 75 or episode 100 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for the listeners, really appreciate you giving the time and the attention. Um, be in there for friends and family that really need you when they need you. Filling up your own cup when you know it's time to make those. Uh, go left or go right decisions and uh, you choose the right one that makes life better for everybody. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to share? No, man, you're doing God's work, dude. Fucking God's work. God's work, dude. God's plan. Keep it going, baby. God's plan. Keep it going. If you've listened this far and you haven't done Circle Up, you should do it. Cheers. That's it. It is. <laughs> it is. 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 It